And today, we're here with the amazing Joseph Green, the founder and CEO of LMS Voice, an educator, motivational speaker, poet, and just extraordinary human being. I'm so happy to have you here. Today, we're going to be talking about just what does it mean to be a, a, a source of information and a, a person that can really consult educators, parents, students, business professionals, and owners on how to adjust and find a sense of peace, but also to make stronger bonds with your employees, with your students, with your children, um, and other significant others um, in this time where we're staying at home um, and finding new ways to live and thrive. So thank you so much, Joseph, for being here today on the Blue News of Habit podcast. You're welcome. I'm also <laughs> very happy to be here. <laughs> I'm sure you are. <laughs> and I must say that this is your second time here, which we really appreciate. The The last one, you I'll say it, you got the highest number of um, listens. So it, people clearly like you. Um, <laughs> and hopefully they'll get more great advice from you this time. So we really appreciate it. I also appreciate it. You got well, me to say it twice it. now. I'm super I did, excited. I did. So my first question is, who is Joseph? And um, what is your calling and how has that shifted a little bit? Or maybe it hasn't based on current events during the pandemic. Hi, my Hi. name is Joseph and I am somebody who is doing their best to not just be picked up in the, the flow of what's happening right now and set down where, you know, the universe will allow me to be set down, but I'm trying to foresee what's going to happen and help direct it. And so my craft, what I do, my, my job is really wide open to how I can best do those things. And I've open myself up to that, which is a very scary thing at this point in my career when I've been doing the same thing for over a decade to say now that I'm going to open myself up to learn any new skill or talent that it takes to, to be a, a, a part of the conversation, to be a member of the people who are deciding to be at the table um, or as they say in Hamilton, to be in the room where it happening. And so mm -hmm. there is no difference in my calling, my calling to um, help people, my calling to help people help themselves, my calling to be a lifelong learner, my calling to offer new and creative solutions to educators, the educated uh, businesses, things of that sort. It's all still the same motivation. I just think the rules of the game have changed. Mm. And so now it's, it's, it's about, you know, keeping your eye on that, that, that same goal or target, but realizing that, you know, you were running straight at it before, but now there's like, I don't know, a giant pandemic shaped obstacle in between <laughs> you and getting to that goal now. Um, and I think what it does though is, clarifies your your purpose helps shed away things it gives you a new perspective a new motivation i feel first frantic panic like everybody else but then uh enthusiastic because what really happened and i realize you didn't ask any of these questions but I'm no just going keep it right. going i mean this okay. is where your I'm heart took you oh yeah what what really happened with this pandemic is proof that dramatic change can happen. Mm, I like that. We, we as educators and people in the educational system, we constantly talk about the need for a dramatic shift. But I've always felt this, the educational machine is, you know, somewhat I mean, analogous to life, like where you feel like it just keeps going and can never stop and never pause. Um, we introduce these new ideas, curriculums, uh, pathways to learning, 
and it's four to five years before we figure out whether or not that had any you know positive effect we get super excited about new things uh and then someone comes along and is like no this idea let's do this thing and they're like i'm sorry we need to put that under study and then in 10 years after we've studied it for 10 years your idea that was relevant in 2002 we're going to try in 2012 and right. we don't have now, time for that anymore say so what i said we don't have time for that no, we don't have time for that. And I think the, 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 the bow broke, right? And school stopped. The planet stopped. And it's not even Not the planet, the human, human life. Human yeah, life and you, the way we yeah. structure this. Yeah, the, it has the planet and got healthier. <laughs> I, I like to think that too. Yeah, I do believe that is something that happened. Mm -hmm. But the, the idea, yes, human life as we know it stopped on this planet and it should be an opportunity to make some of those real dramatic changes that we've been talking about the mm -hmm. idea that we could go back to normal is the same thing as someone saying to me let's make america great again right mm -hmm. was normal what we wanted in the first place. Where was normal leading us? Normal got us here. Exactly. Normal is, is, is this idea that uh, we have a healthcare system that was not prepared for this. Normal is we have um, such weak leaders that they can't come together to do what is obviously best for the people. And if they can't do that when it's life and death, why would we trust them to do it when it's for our education? So mm. now we have yeah. this opportunity to actually try new things, to actually um, see what works for different groups of young people. And if we don't take that opportunity, if we just run right back to doing things the way they were, one, I think you're going to notice that um, young people are going to feel betrayed. You know, yeah. and that 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 I don't know if that's going to manifest itself immediately or in 20 years when they're making the decisions, but they're going to feel like uh, we had a chance and y'all did nothing with it. Right. And, you know, and you, you just ran back to your comforts. You just ran back to ruining the earth. You just ran back to throwing us all into one room at one time, trying to feed the same educational mm -hmm. stuff to each individual. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, you know, you can stop. You can stop. You can make new decisions. You can um, come up with new ideas. And I think that's what um, is different. That's the game changer that is being presented to me. I mean, because I, I mean, I, I talk about it, but I, I wasn't completely convinced. And then when I started losing gigs and like in school shut for two weeks, I'm like, okay, that's not unprecedented. School shut down for two weeks. Okay, they're going to do it for another two weeks. All right, that's a month. That's weird. That's wild. But I mean, they threw spring break in the middle there. So it's not really <laughs> like a whole month. And then it's like, nah, psych, school's done for the year. Right, right. What? Right. We're going to do distance learning. What is distance learning? <laughs> uh, um, and now what I've been getting from some teachers uh, that I work with is that there's a percentage of young people who are responding better to distance learning than they I've were to being too. in the classroom. That's and shocking. yeah, and it's not, it's, I mean, it's, it's not shocking to me, the idea that people learn differently, that, uh, that throwing a bunch of young, um, impressionable, uh, hormonal, um, young people into a space that are easily uh, frustrated by, uh, social media and how I look and what I'm wearing and it takes one time for a person to do something embarrassing and that becomes their identity all of that stuff you put all of that in the in one room with 30 young people and say learn the same way it's not surprising to me that if you take some of them out of that stress out of that pressure they can focus more on actually learning totally right there's so much and it's and people say oh well that's what the real life is like no actually as adults we don't live like yeah. that we don't yeah. go, we're not forced into rooms with 30 people that we didn't choose to be with. You know, we get hired into professions that we hopefully choose to be in, which means that we're around people who are at least somewhat like-minded as we are. Um, and so why not give young people that same? And you're uh, still working on individual tasks and then working as a team sometimes. 
and working on the team sometimes it doesn't yeah yeah, it doesn't it doesn't forego human contact right it doesn't mean that you know we're going to put them in a room put a vr visor on them and like their teacher is going to be virtual for the rest of their lives we're not trying to do what is that movie um with the robot little tiny robot cleaning up the planet oh um wally Wally or Wally. Wally. Yeah, 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 that was very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that's yes. the first no, that's important. I think that was the first time that yeah, that was an eye opening movie. I remember that a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Yeah, think, okay. So no, I don't know how far great. I get you off your point. No, but. you you I want this. This is great. No, whatever. That's why we bring you on because you know I ran. we want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> so please like it's fine. Because I want those deep conversations, and I'm glad that one question sparked all those ideas. That's beautiful. Um, I'm really interested in seeing, what do you think, so let's stay on the idea of educators and distance learning for a moment, because okay. I've heard, mm-hmm. I just interviewed um, three, three educators and educational consultants. Um, they both had both roles, and I've heard that, you know, of course, there's economic divide, so there are students who um, in one Baltimore City school, um, they the stu- it was a first grade teacher, and she has 27 students in her class during the usual school year, but only 10 of them had, have showed up to Zoom classes mm-hmm. over the past, how, I don't know how many weeks we are right now, 13 mm-hmm. weeks maybe. And that's that economic divide that, you know, um, they can't afford computers and devices and internet service to even be there. Um, but then there are the students who are there and they have to share the devices with their other siblings because there's only one device in the house. So mm-hmm. the student, the teachers had to make a decision to only have 45 minutes of class time for their grade and then make supplementary mm-hmm. YouTube videos. Whereas more middle class um, families, middle upper class, they're able to have a like more extended Zoom day. Um, I know that there's no easy answers to this, but um, if access wasn't an issue, what do you think teachers can do to make educating online more interesting, engaging, and fun um, so that students that can show up actually will stay? I'm going to uh, respond to the thing that you said I wasn't supposed to respond to first because sure. I do think the economic issue is something that is actually very easy to respond oh, to and yeah you know I, I figured it out you ready everyone ready. give them so laptops 600 billion dollars in two weeks our government found 600 billion dollars mm, to give out 600 mm, billion dollars You tell me that you can't find enough money to buy computers and build the Wi-Fi infrastructure in these communities. You're lying. Mm -hmm. You're lying. It is about what you want to do versus what you can do. What you want to do with the money. It's unbelievable. It's like a single line item in the DOD. Pentagon budget would cover mm-hmm. just Baltimore. It's, right. it's ridiculous to me that that's the question we're asking. What if we did the right thing? How then <laughs> would we do other things right? And it. that's the problem. Like if any politician gets on a stage in the next 10 years and says, we don't have the money for education. We don't have the money to build uh, infrastructure in poor communities. We don't they have the money. They just did it today to, in Maryland. Uh, the governor shot down. The governor shot oh, yeah, down the, some the, bill. The, the the thing, and that's, yeah. and that's, and, that's and what I'm saying. It was bipartisan support, and it, he still shut it down. We're, we're conservative when it deals with brown and black people. That's right. when our conservative bones come out. Um, and I find that to be offensive for you to say that to my face when you found, you found in two weeks, $600 billion of which you are going to forgive most of it, right? right? Like if people are giving it back to, which tells me that this system that we've created is one of imagination, right? It's one of, um, I, I 
have been giving back my money my entire life to the government for things that you know we need uh, the ambulances and roads and um things of that sort right the the right. water and city and things to yeah, keep like the world moving uh, and yeah infrastructure and i just i, I just I, I just i can't go in to these conversations anymore like where we are bargaining with human life and yeah. saying who needs less so that that's the first thing like i and i refuse to do it from this point on i've, I've done it i've been a part of it and of course um, it's I've, I've lived with it um but I'm, i refuse to live with it anymore so that's something in this brave new world that i am going to adopt as far as my politics as far as what i yell on social media, as far as attending more uh, meetings of, in, in, in school boards and districts and, and becoming more involved in the political system around me and advocacy, it's, it's, it's no longer accepting the excuse that we don't have enough money. Because that's not what we don't have is enough will. What we don't have is enough respect for brown and black communities. What we don't have are leaders that are willing to say the truth for fear of upsetting, you know, the moderate liberal all the way over to the, you know, your far right folks, because being in office is more important than being honest. Right. And so there, that, that's the first part of your question. So let's get past that off my soapbox for a moment and no, back to the crap. thank you. Um, uh, fun would be my <laughs> answer to the other question, <laughs> would be fun. Well, uh, it's always the solution to everything. Yeah, well, I, I think what what is um, what has been our traditional motivator fact motivating factor is if you do good in school, then you will have a good life, right? Uh, and teachers, you know, good teachers have always tried to make education interesting, but what they tend to do in that case is lean on themselves because they don't have a whole bevy of resources. So they have to make themselves the interesting thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you're one-on-one -on -one and you can read a young person's face and you can go up and whisper in their ear and you can take someone out in the hallway, uh, there are all these different techniques that we use to keep them engaged. We can paint our rooms and put all of this interesting stuff up to try to make our spaces feel like learning spaces. When you have that luxury, right? you know, those are just marketing tools, right? The same way uh, you, you would sit into any room and say, how do you keep somebody interested? We're selling education to these young people. How do we keep them interested? Uh, now that question has to be, how does that live in this space and right. this two dimensional space? How do we make this feel like there's more happening than just me on screen, you on screen, right? Exactly. Well, I think the, the first step for like the Zoom world is, is, is two things. One, allow young people into your environment. My wife mm -hmm. made a, a point this morning. She was watching some clip uh, online and it was the weatherman whose dog came into the, the thing. So he was filming from home it. and the camera guy was like outside of the house, but poking a camera in and then he was mic'd up. Uh -huh. and then. This dog came into the room and like sat on his lap oh. and then the dog noticed that he was walking to the window. So he went up and like climbed up and like was in the face of the camera and the camera went a little higher and the dog went a little higher. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the weatherman was doing this thing where he was try he was apologizing that his reality, you know, dripped yeah. into uh, right. his professional. And right. the people on the, the whoever the broadcaster was, they were like, no, 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 no we are loving this mm -hmm. right we'll get to the weather in a minute but we are loving this real moment this happening is life. it's so rare in this overproduced world that totally. that real moment is happening totally. um i'm in my six-year-old's room that i've converted into my office slash studio yeah. uh i purposely have these posters up i, I was thinking I maybe mean, i should put something a little more professional no. something you know let me get my whatever, you know, uh, photos of, you know, uh, people marching and so on and so forth. But I was like, no, like I'm in my six-year-old's room. I have a six-year-old. I also have a five-month-old. He doesn't have any posters yet. Right. But the point of the matter is if he's sleeping and my wife is in the other room on her call right. and I'm in this room on my call and I know that her call is one where she's like with some international folks, da-da-da-da-da, doing her exactly. you know, very important job. 
I will bring my son in here and he will sit exactly. on my lap while I finish yes, having this will. conversation. Of course he will. Um, my daughter yeah, sleeps right now upstairs. Exactly. And my husband's doing the same thing. Real. Yeah, <laughs> and that's totally. real life. And so I, I think the first thing you can do is invite people in to see that your real life. Stop trying to pose. <laughs> I was just talking about that this morning. And just totally. be yourself. So have you your have posters, to. have a little bit of mess around. Um, it doesn't mean like coming in every day in your pajamas, but of it course. just means like being intentional about allowing folks into your space. I'll add some, some blocks um, of Zoe's you know, right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my to God. keep her occupied when you're trying yeah. to get some work done. Exactly. But um, Maybe I, think a banana. I, I think my children are always in my mind. So okay. even if I'm in your school doing a workshop, mm -hmm. there's a percentage of my brain that is thinking about my child, right? That's the, the omnipresence of a parent. Like it's mm -hmm. always somewhere, no matter, my, my oldest son is in Alaska with his birth mother. And there's a good 10% of my brain that is always yeah. wondering what Henry's doing right now. Totally. And so even though I don't see him on a daily basis, that is, part of bringing your whole self into a space. Mm -hmm. So why would you not allow your whole and we self need to more be of this space, right? Totally. And so um, I, think that, I think that's important. Um, and also I think style matters. I think style matters. I think uh, teachers and educators and parents and people who are not those things should understand that the value of a good education is not one that is solely for the person receiving the education, right? Okay. I want to live in a world where people are educated, um, enjoy being educated, continue mm -hmm. to want to be educated, uh, speak educated, um, and because that makes the world that I live in a better place. Yes. So style matters, right? If I am selling soap, right, I could have a commercial where I simply list out the ingredients and what it does. And that would get some people, right? Because being clean is logical to some folks, right? That's the thing that I want. I want to be clean. You don't have to, I don't need a model. I don't need a, a talking frog. You just, what does the soap do? How much does it cost? Is it good for the planet? I'll buy it, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not what commercials are. Commercials aren't series of information about the said product, right? Mm -hmm. It's things that try to, to invoke emotion, convince people about a certain type of lifestyle, um, it, it, it goes into a deeper place and millions and millions of dollars get spent on trying to convince people to buy stuff. Right. Education is a commodity, right? I, I sell education to young people. I never go into a space assuming that the young people just want what I have. So there are things that I put in place to try to get them interested. The same things I was talking about earlier that teachers do, you know, they invest in themselves, their outfit, how they present themselves, they invest in their rooms and uh, they try to, you know, the good teachers try to bring in books that they know are relevant to their young people and talk about issues that matter to them. Well, style is very important to your young people. What the lessons look like are always mm -hmm. been important to your young people. And so you should be learning or inviting into your space people who have the tools to make and keep learning exciting. And for the first time, I think when I talk about, you know, the, the system has broken down, it's time for us to look for new ways, inviting in teaching artists, inviting in um, people who have the ability through graphics and editing and videography to create lessons quickly that are very interesting that teachers and school systems should be working with these people and school systems should be educating their teachers on how to do these things mm -hmm. even when we go back to the predominantly if we go back to the predominantly in classroom style of learning there's a lot to be said about how lessons are presented and totally. bringing video which i mean I, I get my thing at the end of the week that tells me how long I've been on the internet and what apps I've been on and how long I've been in those apps. Yeah. And I'm not going to admit that right now to anybody, but if <laughs> I'm in my app that show videos as often as I am, then mm -hmm. someone who is half my age, well, half my age is not a teenager anymore. Someone who's even more than half my age um, is probably going to be in those apps a lot more, which means that their yeah. mind 
It's exactly. shifted to understanding and learning through video. So we have to meet them there. Exactly. Um, and I think that the educators and the educational systems and the teaching artists and the teaching consultants and all of the people who do this work who embrace a hybrid of, right, right now I lead with a lesson that's on video that prompts some sort of response in writing from the young people. And then mm -hmm. I go and I meet young people in Zoom in whatever the county I'm working in allows me to use. Um, and so we went from the lesson to a, a personal one-on-one. -on -one. We respond in our digital world, we get back to them and the, the whole interaction has happened. But if that first meeting was just a Zoom where I was just talking, right? I didn't present it up, I didn't make a, a PowerPoint um, with colors that are interesting to young people with video links to clips and things of that sort. So that's, you know, we're talking about adding texture, making things more, um, trying to get as close to three-dimensional as we can. Mm -hmm. That's the video, that's the graphics, that's the music that you put underneath it. Um, and understanding that just for the sake of learning, just for grades, it's becoming less and less appealing to young people. They just found out something that I didn't know my whole life. The world can stop. Right. Like right. things can change. They know yeah. that now. That's mm -hmm. embedded in them. They lost the seniors, the seniors that are graduating this year who lost their prom, who lost their, their graduation, who aren't walking across the stage. Mm -hmm. You know, the one, they're in a daze right now, I'd imagine. Those who don't know if they're going to be able to go to college next year because right. college is going to be open. And those who are in college. Right. Those who are in college already. And those who, who, I mean, even, I was thinking particularly about the college students who relied on college as a place to live right yeah. you know like those kids and those that don't have good family connections and family ties <laughs> I, I mean there's so many people to think about it it's um it every yeah the world was definitely shaken for everything that we know but i think online is a space like we yeah. you know we've seen coursera has been around for out of a no like maybe eight years um, a lot of universities have created online courses, um, maybe over the last eight years as well. Um, so I think that we're shifting and we, I think we have to learn how to adjust and creatively like have fun. I think, I think technology has been the saving grace of humans who can afford to be on online right now. Because I think mm -hmm. without, I think without Facebooks, your Instagrams, TikToks, whatever you want to say, your Zooms, I think a lot of people would have struggled, I'll use that word, a lot, because we're able to still be entertained um, in that way and to learn that way. So, all right. Yeah, Thanks I mean, I, it, I, I think what this has uncovered, you know, obviously there are a lot of inequality issues that have been uncovered by this thing, um, but our misuse of the internet mm. for so long the it's it's you know under the rules of western capitalistic society it has become a strip mall mm. when it had the opportunity to become this utopia of learning, of connectivity, what we dreamed of, what the commercials showed when we were kids, when they were selling us the internet and what it was supposed to mean, uh, what Facebook tries to sell us in their commercials. Uh, and the fact of it is, it's, it's become a mining tool for our, our information to sell us stuff. That's it's true. become a place for the creepers to creep even harder. It's become a place where sex sells um, even more because no one has to see what sex they're selling to you. Uh, and now we needed to educate our children and we're not ready. We're mm -hmm. not prepared. Right. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it begs the question of, again, are we rushing to get back to the broken that we were or are we trying to, you know, relieve ourselves of some of those preconceived notions of how life has to be, how things were supposed to be, and really just look around and be present in this moment and, and, and admit that 
most of us have been wrong. Mm. We've just been wrong. And either we've been wrong or we've been complicit or we've just not been paying attention. But the world is not set up for the success of most of the people who exist in it. The world is set up for the success of the people who are willing to take, the people who are willing to be um, ruthless. And that doesn't mean there's no joy. I don't want to come across as, you know, I, I laugh a lot. I, I, love, I love life. I love my family. Most of that's a choice, though. I, mm -hmm. I choose that in the face of all of these realities. I choose to find joy. Um, mm -hmm. if, 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 if your condition were a determined, determined uh, a qualifier for the amount of happiness you have, then no one in the hood would ever smile, right? right. No one in these rural areas would people. never laugh, right? So joy is not necessarily equal to your, your station in life. However, right. your survival is. Um, your health is, your educational level is. And so as educators, are we just going to advocate for us to have our jobs back when this is done? Or are we mm. going to advocate for there to be a different type of system? Job. And yeah. I'm not talking about a revolution. The revolution has already happened. It happened for us. Thank you, pandemic. Thanks for the revolution. The system got broken. That's what happens. That's what we yeah. seek for, right? In these revolutions, we don't know exactly where we're going, but we know that what we have isn't working and we need to break it, right? And that's right. what happens. They rise up, they get angry. It's an emotional thing. And then intellectually, at some point, we have to take over and figure out what to do next. Mm -hmm. The revolution, is, it came, right? Yeah. The, 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 it's proved to us that we can, we can stop and, and, and hopefully begin anew, but um, nothing's going to be the same. Nothing's so what do we what do we need to bring into our new normal? Mm. What are the things that we must hold on to? And especially, I'm I'm thinking for everyone, and I'm yeah. thinking around self care, but especially um, around parents and educators, because that's the bulk of our our audience. And I think everybody can take from this, but with them in mind, what do we need to hold on tight to? Kindness, first and foremost, kindness. Your son doesn't become a doctor. Your daughter doesn't become a lawyer. Your child doesn't get into Harvard. Crap, your child doesn't even get into college. Which one of those things gives you permission to be unkind? You're trying to work a job. Your kids are running around the house being kids. What about that insinuates you should be unkind to them? We are, are stuck in a way of thinking that things are supposed to happen a particular way. And mm -hmm. that causes the friction between the reality that we're actually in and the reality that we're trying to maintain. Uh, and so when we think to ourselves, what is the kind thing to do if a child my six-year-old was here and he burst through the door right now in the middle of this conversation. Right. I have a choice as to how to respond. Totally. My initial reaction, I'm going to tell you, I was born in a military household. Uh, I, there was a certain way I was raised, especially uh, parents of black folks from the South. Uh, um, there's still a lot of uh, the, the, the tradition and legacy of slavery and how we raise our children and the expectation of what children should be in a household. A lot of that is still like was passed down to me. Um, mm -hmm. and so I, it's, for me, it's a conscious choice. Like I have to be like, my first reaction is Kitch! and then I have to say to myself, no, either, Hey, I need to explain why this is important, yes. why I need you to go out. I need to either bring mm -hmm. you into the space and mm -hmm. introduce you to what's happening so you exactly. can be cognizant of it. Um, and I think that parents, teachers, administrators, police, uh, anyone in the world, I don't know, kindness, period. Right. Um, I, I think I know where you're about to go. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, don't do it if you don't um, want to. No, okay. no, no. I'm good. I'm good right now. I don't think that's necessary for this. Um, I understand. But kindness. It's whatever you want. Yeah. Um, and... That would be number one. And number two is imagination. Um, do not be confined to a life without imagination. You can mold this reality 
in about any way you want to. Yes. Um, and now I know I'm talking to people who are unemployed and I know I'm talking to people who are struggling to feed their children. And I know I'm talking to uh, single mothers and I'm talking to people who are uh, amidst domestic violence. And I know I'm talking to people who are dealing with addiction and, and possible relapse. I know you're out there, you're here. I am one of you. I do not have this, you know, illusion that it's easy. Um, I do not have this illusion that um, it's not going to take all of us taking care of each other to make it possible. So I just want to, the I, I have to answer that part of my brain, of the course. part of my brain that says that. But the fact of the matter is, we must first imagine or dream yes. ourselves into a reality before we can step into it. And I think that that's an exercise that even when you're hungry, even when you're beat up, even when you're what you feel is your bottom is, 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 is a way of getting out before you get out. Um, and if you stop believing that you can get out, then you're you stuck. Won't. Yeah. You won't. There's no, there's no way around it. And this is coming from someone who's in long-term recovery, someone who hit what they thought was their bottom, but obviously couldn't be because if I'm still here, I didn't hit the bottom. Right. And so when I was there in that space, you know, pre-pandemic, but still the worst of myself, mm -hmm. uh, the best of myself was my imagination and my and my imagining a life where i wasn't where i was if i didn't have that and for me the few people like my mother who had it for me and 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 protected it for me so that when i was ready to accept it again it was there you know those people who believe in you no matter what mm -hmm. uh yeah imagination the our ability to dream is so important. We can't get into this. We just have to grind ourselves out of this spot and then we'll figure it out when we get to the other side. I don't, I don't believe in that um, philosophy. Uh, yeah, there are days where you just need to go to work and, like, mm -hmm. and, and get things done, but you have 15 minutes to think about the future. You have right. 15 minutes to, to journal about what your next steps are because it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a balloon full of helium is tied to your wrist, right? Uh, this is your your calm, your peace, your dream, your dreams for the future. And every day, the world takes a knife to that string, mm -hmm. and it they start to float off. And you bring it back through practice, through meditation, through journaling, through You're answering all my uh, questions. Great. <laughs> um, and and that brings the balloon back within reach to tie around your finger so you don't forget those things, right? Yes. Um, and I have gone years in my life without seeking to bring that balloon back. Mm -hmm. But when I do, it always comes. Trauma, loss, financial hardships, these are all things that lead us to believe that we can worry about the balloon later. Right. Um, but I mean, it's just it's this one life. So I say, go ahead and worry about the balloon now. <laughs> worry about those dreams now. Bring them back to you. And, and don't be so, you know, so hard on yourself where if you don't accomplish this thing in this particular way, then there's no, there's no right. point. Allow yourself and your dreams to be malleable uh, right. to the reality that you live in, to the world that you live in. Um, but yeah, we're getting on, that's a whole nother topic about, um, how to obtain goals and to be okay with the changing of goals and things of that sort. But, well, um, well, I think that part of it is pertinent now, just because I think a lot of people thought they were walking a particular path and now mm -hmm. they're not, um, right. they thought they were walking with certain people and now they're not, um, mm -hmm. you know, I thought I'd be living in this house, this apartment for another year. And now I'm not, mm -hmm. um, I thought that I would, I thought I had my gigs 
planned between right. now and January. Um, and now I don't. And that shift doesn't mean that I didn't accomplish, I can't accomplish my dreams. It doesn't right. mean that, you know, my dreams can't change and alter and I still be happy with the outcome. Um, I was planning on having certain projects done by a certain time, but now I have to, I have to put the book down and pick up the editing and the camera so I can figure out how to continue doing what I love and what I think mm -hmm. matters. It's just not in this form right now. I'll get back to that. Mm -hmm. um, and as long as the, the target and the goal and the motivation doesn't change, the, the, the means is not, it does, it's not as important what they are, right? I'm not, I'm not, I love being in front of people. I love working directly with young people. I love giving kids high fives and seeing that spark in their eye when they're writing a poem and they catch a thought and they start writing really, really fast. Right. Like I can't see them do that right now. Right. But I can now challenge myself to try to bottle the same magic that I have in those spaces into this, into this new medium um, and understand that there are still ways like I can still I, I was a part of a, a beautiful poetry reading yesterday I was hosting for uh, an organization I used to work with called Split This Rock and um, it was Dr. Yes. Eve um, Dr. Eve L. Ewing and Safia El Hillo and Dr. Ewing wrote the um, the uh, Ironheart series for Marvel where the little black girl becomes Iron Man oh I haven't seen and that but it sounds amazing yeah, no, it's, oh yeah, it's a, it's a great series. Um, but uh, just to have these two people in, in this space and, and to see them read and share their words, um, you know, I was in my fields and I actually, I turned around and I, and I realized, um, yo, I'm more comfortable because I'm in my home than mm -hmm. I might be if I were in like a stuffy coffee shop where I'm like this trying to hear this poetry. Like I can sit back back and relax right. so there are ways for us to find the advantages of being where we are right now okay definitely wow. definitely time is going by fast <laughs> i know but a lot of gems are dropped so the this will have to be my last one um what habits because i think a lot of people like you said we were i think a lot of people were busy i think mm -hmm. a lot of people let themselves be busy and then there's the part of survival, like making money and not making enough time for family um, the way they might have wanted to. And I don't even mean like extended family. I just mean like your kids, your kids. And I say that not to bring any shame or guilt to parents, but I know it's a lot of, a lot of parents are having a challenging time connecting with their kids right now. And I'm wondering, you've worked with so many youth as myself, what would you imagine youth want their parents to do right now? How would they like to connect with their parents and what strategies can you offer parents um, to do so? Because I think that's going to heal a lot when we, they can start to heal those mm -hmm. and mend those bonds. Uh, um, so first, whenever I have conversation with parents and I have quite a few and I've done quite a few parent meetings and things of that sort. The first thing I have to say is parents don't ask your kids to do anything that you aren't doing yourself. Mm. So when I write up a schedule on the whiteboard for me and my son, I write down what I'm doing and I write down what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And I also write down when we are doing things together so that he can anticipate those things. Now I have, um, a six-year-old and a five-month-old. So for those people out there who have three, four, five kids and all in one, <laughs> then the task is harder. However, uh, get a bigger board. Um, write it out on paper if you can't afford a board. Uh, but the, I think the fractioning of time is so important because it allows us to build anticipation points. Someone, I was on a call the other day and someone was in, you know, our typical greetings, how are you right now? Someone was like, I'm really missing things to look forward to, like going out to a concert or going on vacation and so on and so forth. It's and that's because, person. exactly. The, the yeah. idea is that so much of our life 
is outside. Is the joy of anticipation of a thing, right? Through the grind, through the work, it's either, you know, sometimes it's little things like, you know, my 15 minute break where I watch YouTube videos, or it's my, um, you know, my yearly vacation where we go down to the wherever or whatever, whatever it is, we have these moments. And, for, and, and I understand why, because everyone thought this was going to be a brief pause, right? That it was going to be one, two, three weeks most. There's no way the world's going to shut down for months at a time. Right. Uh, people have just kind of been holding their breath. Yeah. And, and, and in that, uh, we've lost the practice of building towards anticipation. So mm -hmm. um, Monday night is movie night. Tuesday night is family game night. Wednesday night is uh, everybody makes tacos night. Wednesday, Thursday night is whatever. Friday night is whatever. Ask your kids what it is they want. Is Beyblade yes. battle night? Whatever, the, whatever it is, right? Um, have these things so that as we are working through our day, there's always something to anticipate and and to motivate, right? Yes. And I think that's something that's really important to build a schedule that is sort of like. Uh, um, uh, uh, an arrow to a target, right? We're trying, it's, it's, it's aiming towards things. And like, and so the, the, if, if my morning is aiming towards my lunch and my uh, after is aiming towards my break and my after my break is aiming towards what we're doing that evening, then the whole week is aiming towards what we're doing on Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. And then th that whole thing, I think building anticipation that we are all in together is very helpful. Right. Um, and this could be a fun process. Yeah, and it could be a fun process working with your young people. I think what your young people want but don't necessarily have the ability to articulate because we haven't given them the, the language to do so or even permission to do so is to have a seat at the table. They yes. want autonomy in deciding what it is that they get to do. And mm -hmm. so uh, I always present to my son, like, these are the have -tos. Options. Yeah, right. these are the have-tos. This is going to get down on there. We can talk about when it happens. We can talk right. about like what tool we're going to use to, to you know, if, if we got to do 30 minutes of reading, we can talk about, I can help you, you can help choose the books that you're going to read, right? right. Like there's, there's just parts of it that's there that is up for a debate and making sure that you go out of your way to do so. Um, and then don't expect anything out of your children that you wouldn't expect out of yourself. You're yes. going to freak out you're going to become too stressed. You're going to want to scream into a pillow. You're going to want to punch a wall. You're going to want to go for a walk. So are your kids. And making right. the statement of suck it up or it just has to be this way right. um, is not going to render <laughs> the results that you want. Sometimes mm -hmm. it is a reality. Yo, there are five of you in here. I have to do this. Y'all have to be quiet right now. Let me get through this. All right, now I'm through this. Let me explain to you why that was so important, so on and so forth. But like, make sure that you build in lots of breaks for your kids. They have totally. never been in this space either. You ain't never been here. They ain't never been here. Exactly. Build in as many breaks as they need. If they're having a breakdown, let them break down, right? Mm -hmm. If, they, if they're, they're burning up, they're like grinding their pencil into the table. This is not a time for teaching the, the, the magical powers of willpower. This is about accepting humanity for the frailty that it is and understanding that our strength is in accepting and understanding and being able to look directly into those, um, those frailties and accept when they need to be addressed and learn the times where they need to get pushed through. But if you're asking questions and talking and, and, and allowing for some flexibility, um, it's just gonna be, two opposing forces going yeah. at each other. And it's what you're true. going to have to do to get that young person to submit is ultimately break their spirit. And I don't know of any parent who actually wants to do that. Yeah, right. it's great when they're just doing what they're supposed to, but if you've broken their spirit to get them there, exactly. what is the value in that? So, and you, you can't um, create somebody who is able to construct their own reality and who, was, who is able to flow if you are the one breaking it down because you're not teaching them how to do that when they're against somebody that's supposedly their boss. Yeah. Like this is a long-term game and you can actually have fun while doing it together. Like you said, you're co-pilots, you're co-pilots. And the last thing, last thing I want to throw yeah. in before uh, is um, apologize. Apologize to yes. your children. Thank um, you for saying that. Say you're, say you're sorry if you, if you yell. So mm -hmm. that's not how I wanted it to be. And it doesn't Mom matter how long afterwards. Yeah, just get to it. Um, right. 
And I think the value in that is one, your children will trust you more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's easier to go up to mom and admit that I did something wrong or that I'm in pain than it is yeah. to go up to Superman. Right. right. And right. so if you always present yourself as infallible as the ultimate right, never can be wrong, must always mm-hmm. be listened to and am justified in however I get to whatever result I want, then what space, what humanity do your children have to hold on to? Totally. Uh, and so I, I think that's, I mean, whether, and this is an overall, it's to your, to your coworkers, to your, um, the people who you lead, um, to the, the woman, uh, who you didn't hold the, 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 who you didn't hold the door for, to the man you didn't hold the door for, to whomever it is in the world, in your life, show that compassion, pay it for the person you cut off. If you know it was you, put your hand up. You know, there's so many places where we can begin to reward people's faith in humanity by having it first ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, an honest apology is super important. That's perfect. And the rest will actually flow from there because trust will be built. Thank you, Joseph. That was amazing and very helpful. And I think that um, our, both of our um, audiences will be able to really get a lot out of it. Where can they connect with you, Joseph? Yeah, if you want to know more about me, you can go to www.lmsvoice.com. That's L as in Larry, M as in Mary, and S as in Sally, voice.com. And uh, there you can scroll down and find me on all the social media. If you want to go straight to social media, it's as simple as typing in at Joseph L M S voice in any of your favorite social media, except for Snapchat, because I don't use <laughs> Snapchat. I don't Thank understand you. it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't tried. <laughs> I will definitely put all the links uh, to your website as well on the podcast um, and this when it airs on YouTube. Um, but Joseph, thank you so much for being here today with us. And um, I think a lot of people, once they enter your your ecosphere, um, they will really see what you have to offer even more. So you guys, let's keep blooming every day, um, every second. As Joseph said, you get to create your own reality, no matter how hard and and really reduce a lot of mental suffering by envisioning what you want, reaching out for help, and really making a way for yourself. But you can't make the way until you've tried it out. This is a great time to chart our paths and work as a team. Let's keep blooming. Have a great day. Thanks, Joseph.